So happy uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, obviously, it's be a lot of fun. You guys are going to have fun, celebrate, all that sort of thing. But today is also Vision Sunday. And so I've never done a Vision sermon in a Patriot sweatshirt before. But alas, here we are. Um, be good. Um, today is Vision Sunday. The, what we want to do is just take some time as a church and focus about what's going to happen in the next year. This last series, we've been talking about how to have the best year of our life. And it would be weird to talk about how to have the best year of our life without talking about how to have the best year of our church. And I do believe uh, that our, our church is literally going to have one of the best years of its life as we move through uh, into this coming season. And I, I really, when I look and I think about everything, I'm just seeing as I talk to you individually, as I talk to you, and as I, as I engage in worship gatherings with you and see you in your groups, um, there is a life and a vitality right now that is just starting. I feel like it's just drumming up. It is starting to move. And, and, and God is literally going to take that and, and, and exponentially multiply it. I, I do believe that. It's, and a lot of times when it comes to our church, uh, we, we, we might find ourselves often trying to look at numbers. I know for me, I'm a numbers guy, so I try to track on metrics and I try to interact with all sorts of different, uh, different patterns that I can follow along with, but God has constantly been reminding me that life change doesn't always look like numbers. It looks a lot like stories. And, and so I've just been praying that God will, will allow that to, to permeate in us, allow that to change our hearts um, in, a, in a major way that for you, life change might not be this exponential thing that multiplies uh, by 14, 15, 25 times, whatever, but it could just be one step. It could be just one thing that you decide that to, to give back to God that you've been trying to keep for the last number of years. You've been trying to give to God that you've been trying to uh, hold on to and, and make it look like you want it to look like, but God really wants to take that from you and make it how he wants to. And so today, uh, we just want to spend some time on that. And so, but for me, the, the major question for, our, for us as a church um, in terms of vision, that the, the vision that, that God is, has for us as we are discerning and moving in that um, but really, the, the question that, that's just constantly fueling me with passion, fueling me with pursuit, fueling me with joy and expectation and hope um, is really the question, what would it look like if we were a church that only God could get credit for? What if we were a church that literally, when you looked around, the only, thing, the only person that could get credit for everything would be God? I, you know, and what's, what I love about this question is that you can put four or five little things underneath it, but in all reality, it's something that it looks a little bit more like releasing than it does keeping. What I love about this question as I've been, as I've been just praying for you and praying for the church is that, is that often we begin to try real hard and work real hard. And, and, and honestly, at our church, we, we work like it depends on us. We pray like it depends on God. Um, and we try to put the two together so that we can see just a supernatural manifestation of God's presence in different ways. But, but really, when I look at when I think about it, like, God, what if we were a church that only you could get credit for? I mean, well, you could look around, we could change different things, we could do certain things, we could make the lights happen, we could whatever, but what if, what if none of this existed? And I think for, for me, this is, our, this is our third Vision Sunday together, which, which if, can you, if you could believe that or not. This is the third time that I've done a talk like this. And the very first one I did back in 2016 is I said, I said what if you could take all the lights away, if we took everything away um, and you just had the gospel, it's actually the same. This is all kind of cushiony. This kind of all, whatever. This doesn't change the fact that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected um, so that we could have restoration, so that we could participate in the restoration of all things. Like, this is all kind of like nice and everything. Uh, but in all reality, what if we were a church that only God could get credit for? What would that look like? And there's a, there's a chapter in the Bible, and it, there's, a, there's a psalm that David wrote 
where he talks about how to pursue joy that's only dependent upon God. He talks about it in in Psalm 32, uh, that that literally the the only thing that is the source of the joy that David has is God himself. And so I want to just spend a few minutes in there today. If you want to grab the Bibles that were on your seat um, uh, and go to page 466. Go to page 466, or if you want to go on your phone, um, you can uh, go to the New Living Translation is where we'll be at today. Um, on New Version, if you want to go there, the outlines, uh, you know, there's also that spot there. Um, if you are newer today, uh, this Bible is a gift to you if you don't have one. Um, and as I often say, if you have one, don't steal. Thanks. Ten Commandments. It's like basic stuff, guys. No, it's, uh, yeah, if, if that is, if, this, if you don't have a Bible, this is our gift to you. Um, we actually, over the last uh, 15 months since we've put the Bibles out, um, have given away almost 75 Bibles um, different ways, which is fun. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a fun little thing um, to see, see some life-changing impact uh, in that. But Psalm 32, how do we be a church? Um, what would it look like for us to be a church that only God could get credit for? This is what David says in Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, that all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that, there may, that, we, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. And so, so for David, this joy that he's talking about is only dependent upon the fact that we've been forgiven by Christ. Like, like you can see him talking about this in a way where, where he says, literally, my, my bones wasted away because I, I wasn't connected to him. I, my bones wasted away because I wasn't freeing up the fact that he could forgive me. And he was living under the weight that we weren't supposed to live under. The sin that, that, that broke everything that God wants to free us from, like he was living underneath that and literally that was breaking us down. It was breaking him down to the point where he says his strength evaporated. If you've ever lived that way, you know what that feels like. Where you, you, your life is one way and, and God's vision for your life is another way and you, you, there's a gap between the two. You know what that feels like. There's strength evaporated, bones wasting away until you finally confess what I love about the Psalms is that the Psalms is, is the, it's the, it's the matching or it's the hitting together of God's intention for our lives in real life. When you read the book of Psalms, if you ever have like a wonder about what to read or you don't know what to read in your chair time each morning, just grab a Psalm because it's often the tension between what God's intention for our life is and what our life 
in all reality is. And David often will say, here's my anger, here's my joy, here's my tension, here is uh, my, my, my confusion. God, here's my plea for, for protection. God, here's my plea for provision. It's like all of these things, all of this heart um, level stuff that we so badly want to confess, so badly need to express to God. And it's found in the book of Psalms. So this is David just wrestling with what it means to be true and what it means to be real life. And so in Psalm 32, we we see that there's only God that can provide this level of joy. It's only God that can provide this level of community. It's only God that can provide this level of uh, direction for David. You can see the progression move on. And so today, just a few points. Number one, when it's only God, when it's only God, number one, there's joy. There's joy. And for us as a church, um, in 2016, what we did, we spent the entire year focused on what it was like to have a gospel-centered church. And we just preached the gospel, literally. Uh, that told the story of Jesus every single week. We've been doing it for three years. And for, for us as a, as a church, if we are going to have this level of joy, it's because it's only God that's freeing us from that. You know, the, there's that classic understanding of, well, happiness is not joy, and that's true. Joy should be able to move through every circumstance. And so although your, your happiness might waver, your joy is based off Christ. And your joy is based off freedom that you have, much deeper than your circumstances, much bigger than your circumstances, but it allows you to stay centered as you move through that. There is joy for you. Joy here in Hebrew is really to go straight or march forward. He's saying there's joy. I, I, can, I can march straight and I can go forward solely based off the fact that I have been, uh, I have been uh, deemed forgiven by God. Like that, that is a legit thing. The only way you can move forward is if you remember the fact that you have been forgiven by God. And so this morning, if you find yourself kind of just wavering, I would remind you that there's joy when we remember that we have been forgiven by Christ. When our lives are actually changed by him, we can go forward, we can go straight. Oftentimes, we try to set our own paths. We try to set our own straightforward steps. We try to take our own next steps. We try to go over their own bridge. We strategize ourselves. We vision ourselves. We say, okay, that's the good way to do it. How does everything go? In all reality, the only person that can get credit for your life is you. But what he's saying here, what I love about David is that he's finding joy when his disobedience is forgiven and when his sin is put out of sight. And so what would it look like for us to be a church that only God gets the credit for is when our joy is sourced, not from our own path, but from the path that Christ set before us. And so we got to start there, that our, path, our joy has nothing to do with our own strength. It's based off the fact that we've been forgiven by Christ. And so we have to start there remembering the fact that our worship is sourced, our worship is based off the fact that he's the creator and we're the creation. If we do nothing else for the rest of our days, which would be boring, I I know, but if we do nothing else, we start off with the fact that he's the creator and we're the creation. And that dichotomy in our hearts is healed and restored by the life that Christ has for us. Are we tracking this morning? Are we good? All right, sweet, because you're kind of quiet. Kind of quiet. 10.30 is knocking you guys out of the park with like the life, the laughter, like everything. Still a little sleepy, I get it. It's cool. But we got, we got, we got joy. So when I preach on joy, it's really funny to hear me like, oh yeah, that's cool, Pastor. Good job. <laughs> There's joy. There's joy. 
So when it's only God, there's joy. That's what we see in verses one through five. Where he goes from there, this is what I love. After he confesses his sin and he stopped trying to hide his guilt and he confesses his rebellion to the Lord, he experiences this joy. When it's only God, there is joy, but there's also community. Look at what he says in verse six. It says, therefore, let all the godly pray to you. If this is true, if this is the joy that I experience personally, if this is my type of, uh, of, of life that we can experience and come to expect because Christ is the center of our life, if that is who he says he is and what we can get, and if there is joy, he says, the very first thing he says after, he says, therefore, we should all pray together. Therefore, we should actually interact with each other. Therefore, we should actually have community. We say this all the time that you literally cannot grow in Christ the way that you were meant to when you aren't connected to a smaller group of people that know you. Because look at what he says. Look at what he's praying for. While there's still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, um, that, that, they, that, you are the, that he is the hiding place, he protects me from trouble and surrounds me with songs of victory. How does he do that? If David is celebrating this, how does he surround him with songs of victory? How does he protect him from trouble? How, does he, uh, how, how do we have a hiding place in Christ? And how do we get protected from the floodwaters of judgment? When the people of God experience and exercise and extend the grace of God to everyone around them. See, when you aren't known, fully known, by people around you. There are no opportunities in your life for someone to express and extend the grace of God in your life. There's none. Well, you can literally say, here's what I did at 24. You're like, please, God, no, don't talk about that, right? The 20s, I just don't want to talk about the 20s. When you can, ex- when you can extend that forward and people can extend the grace of God to you, you will be experienced what David's talking about here. God, don't let me drown in the floodwaters of judgment. As a church, and I think this is just New England in general, but as a church, you need to be in community so that not for when you're in good times, but it's for when you're in bad times. You need to be. Because here's what we see. Here's what we see. My marriage is struggling all of a sudden, we don't see you for eight weeks. We can't have that. That's not the community that the Bible talks about. The community that the Bible talks about is that I am struggling, and I'm struggling because it's my sin. I'm struggling because it's the relationship. I'm struggling because I don't know where I'm at in my life. You walk into this, and you say, literally, I need help, and we get to extend the grace of God to you. That's what the Bible talks about people doing. And oftentimes we like to sit in our rows, but we forsake the circles because that's where all the work is done. And look, I'm not saying you should, like, hey, all right, every single week for the next 25 or for the next 52 weeks, I got to be in a small group where we're talking about the sermon. That's not what I'm talking about. That is a conduit to the type of community that we begin to experience when we're in the same room with other people. So, man, there's a lot of us that are in that, but we need to take a step further in our community and trust the people that we're around with the very serious stuff. We talked about that a lot last year, but Christ can do it. 
we got to take that step as a church. we got to get underneath the surface of what it's like to just extend in a conversation with each other about the sermon. Because in all reality, anyone can do that. But it's when you step in and you trust the people that are around to say, here's who I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when you get there as a follower of Christ, you will experience the joy that only God can give through the community of God. Because when it's only God, there is joy. When there's only God, there is community, not based off whether or not you, how, not based off how you present yourself, but based off the grace of God extended through the people of God. Are we tracking on that together? We need that so desperately as a church. Need that so desperately as a church. That's why our community group's tables are there for you to say, okay, I'm going to go join one. And you know what? It's awkward at first. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. It's awkward because we don't like to do that stuff. But that's the Bible, the way that the Bible teaches us that the gospel is made, fo- is made evident in our life. It's through the people that engage with each other. So there is joy and there is community. And lastly, when you begin to understand that it's only God that gives this type of joy, that gives this type of community. I love what David does here is he moves right into that there is direction for your life. There is direction for your life. I will guide you along the best pathway of, for your life. For me, as, as, a, as, as a pastor, um, for the elders, as leaders, um, and, and you know, for the staff, for the elders as governors, for the staff as leaders, really we've been thinking about that. If, how can we be a church where, where literally we are guided on the best pathway of our life. If we want to have the best year of our life ever, and God is the only person guiding us on that, what would that look like for us? And so remember, uh, me as a pastor, uh, I'm not just up here by myself. I'm communicating to you, but we do have a structure in our church. It is elder-governed, and they're responsible for the, the next 18 to 36 months, or even more, the next three to five years. They're trying to lay out vision for us as a church. And then the staff, they go right underneath them, and, and they begin to exercise and lead us toward that vision. And so staff-led, so we're elder-governed, we're staff-led, and then volunteer-operated meeting that where the staff is leading you guys, hosts of volunteers, so that we can begin to pursue this vision together. The reason we do that is because Ephesians 4 says that God has given us gifts to prepare people and equip people to do the work of the ministry. So we believe that structure is the best way to get Ephesians 4 done. And so we have our elder governed. They're doing the next three to five years. Staff is leading now um, in the present. Volunteers are really get, just trying to uh, close the gap alongside um, everyone doing that. And so I'm just up here communicating that aspect of it. But it's all really, it's really every, all the elders together that are trying to discern that. And when we decide that we want to do this, that, that he will guide us along the best pathway of our life, um, there's really three quick things that we're, that we're expecting this year. Number one is that we're going to see only God's stories. Only God's stories. If we're going to be a group of people, um, that, if we're going to be a church that only God can get the credit for, that means we're going to have only God's stories. And because we have only God's stories, we don't know what they are yet. We have to have this deep expectation that God is going to be present in our life. And so that could be for you personally. That could be for you personally where there's just this thing that you need God to do. There's this thing that you need God to do. I was talking to a friend this week just saying, I feel like God has just lifted off levels of anxiety off of me. 
That's an only God story because that's not something he's finding within himself. And you have this element of like, I feel like God is doing something in me. We have to be expectant of that as a church or else we will just be playing church. Are we tracking on that? We have to be expecting that God is actually living and active and moving. And we could be like Jacob where he says, surely God was in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. We believe only God's stories will happen when, when we spend our time with him and when we engage with him and believe that he actually can do something in our life. We believe only God's stories will happen when we pray for one. And we're going to start a series in a couple weeks called Pray for One where we're going to literally allow this prayer, this bold prayer, God, show me one person. Give me one person that I can show your love with to today. I can share your love with today. God, give me one person that I can share your love with today that literally become part of the DNA of our church. And so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about that. As we prepare for that, you can go buy the book, Pray for One, and the devotional guide, Pray for One, today out, out in the lobby. Um, the, a friend of mine, Bo Chancey, um, he's a pastor up in New Hampshire, a good friend of mine. We've been, we've been hanging out a, a number of times over the last three years. Um, wrote the book. And uh, he, so he's really, he extended that to us in a, in a great way and allowed us to uh, begin to engage this in a, in a next step sort of level for us as a church. So we believe that through Pray for One, we will see some major things happen. So we want to help you share um, these stories. And so there's an email address that we're going to open up that we want you to become expectant with us. Um, stories at communitycovenant.church. Make a note of this email address, because you know what I would love? I'd love for this to happen. You know what, today, this is my goal as a Christian, is my goal as a follower of Jesus, that I'll be able and I'll be expectant and hopeful enough that I'll be able to send a story once a month. I'll be able to send a story once a week. Here's what God's doing in my life right now. We have, in order for that to happen, literally everything has to change with the way that we view the world. In order for us to pray for one and say, God, God, give me one person that, that I can share your love with today. In order for that to happen, literally every way that we go throughout our day has to change. It's not just about the numbers anymore. It's not just about uh, the job performance. It's not just about getting our kids to activities. But it's about expecting that every moment of our life is brimming with redemptive potential. So we want to expect that. We want to expect that together as a church. And so the first thing is only God's stories. The second way that we believe direction will happen if, and, and he will guide us along the best pathway of our life is number two, only God vision. In order to have only God's stories and continue to collect them, we need to continue to have only God vision. Now, here's the thing. Here's what we would typically do as a, as a church. As, as a lot of, well, a lot of churches would typically do it um, this way. We're, we're the elders and staff. We're just kind of vision out together. We'd set a path for the next three to five years and get on our way. But as a church, I think it'll be very beneficial for us to do it a certain way. And it's because we're about to embark on a new season of our church. The end of 2018 will be the end of a three to five year vision that the elders had about healthy leadership transition. It's been a healthy leadership sort of way that our church would, would transition through a senior leadership transition in a healthy way. And so for many of you, 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 you weren't here for this, or you, maybe you didn't know this, or, or maybe you haven't seen this in the past, but um, I haven't been the pastor forever. Sorry to disappoint you. And I, I became the pastor two, two years ago, two and, two and a quarter years ago. And most of what we've been doing over the last 
two to three years has literally just been allowing God to make healthy what needs to be made healthy and, and, and let grow what needs to grow and do the things that he needs to do so that we can align our hearts with his, align our hearts together, and align our hearts with the world. And so what we've been trying to do is that. And so this year, though, instead of, instead of moving into the next three to five years just by ourselves and hoping you guys follow, what we want to do is allow that vision to go all the way down to the bottom and come up. And so over the next year, we're literally going to create systems of focus groups and systems of, uh, of, of feedback that, so that we can allow really the dreams that God has put on your heart for our church, for your family, and for Southern New England. And so uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, a breakdown of this, not the next slide, but the slide after that, Chris, um, if you want to go to the, the, the months there. So in order to dream with us, what we're going to do is February through March, we're going to go, we're going to launch a listening phase. And so through the month of February, through the month of March, our volunteers, um, the church in general, our, our regular attendees, um, even the community, we're going to be setting up some meetings with local community officials in our, in our region. And then we're going to listen to the leaders. We're going to listen to as many people as we can over the next two months. And then in April, we have a weekend set apart where we're going to draft all of this together. We're going to collect everything that we've been listening to, everything that we've been hearing, and we're going to discern what the next three to five years of our church is going to look like. And so we're going to draft that through the months of April, May, in June, and we want to take that long so that we can draft it and get feedback, draft it and get feedback, draft it and get feedback. And then in July and August, we are going to finalize and prepare to launch this thing. And then this is going to categorize everything that we do as a church because we literally want God to guide us along the best pathway of our life, not just personally, but for us as a church. And so we want to do that to finalize that. And then September through November of this year, we're going to launch that vision. And then December, we're going to celebrate. Hey. <laughs> oh, that was exciting. 10.30, we'll do better. 10.30, we'll do better. But September through November, we're going to launch this thing. And then December, we're going to celebrate. Because, yeah, hey, yeah, sweet. Because we want to be a church that only God can get the credit for. And so I don't want to be a pastor that gets all the credit. And the elders don't want to be the elders that get all the credit. And the staff, definitely, they don't want to be the staff that gets all the credit. We want to be a church that only God can get the, gets the credit for. And if we're going to equip us for ministry the most effective way possible, there could be someone in here today that has a thought or a sentence or a statement that literally could change the next 10, 10, you know, 5, 10 years of our life. At the same time, though, we know that not everything is going to make it. So if you're like, hey, I want the wall to be purple, we might pray about that a little bit longer than the, the vision, right? And what that allows us to do is it allows us to hold the vision in open hands. That no one's personality is going to dictate this thing. That we're just going to listen and we're going to ask God, God, what is the collective heart of our church saying? What would that look like? How could we do this? What might this be? Now, for me, I've never done it at that level. I've never done this at this level where this many people are engaging with this level of things. So I'm like pumped out of my mind. Like, I love this. Because I can't wait to see what God has laid on your heart, not just for your family and for this region, but for our church. If we're going to call all of this Community Covenant Church vision, we need to make sure that all of Community Covenant Church has a way to put into it.
And so today, you can also not only pray for one, buy your Pray for One books and devotional guides so that you can get ready for the next series, um, but you can sign up for focus groups. And so when you leave here today, if you want to be like, you know what, I'm in on that. I need to sign up for a family ministry focus group. I want to sign up for a mission focus group, a discipleship focus group, a gather, whatever. There's, there's five different focus groups that you can sign up for, um, but we'll also be mining that, making sure people are there, making sure we're cl- trying to collect as many thoughts as possible. We're also going to be sending you out next week with a, a survey that you can give your friends, people that don't attend church here, people that don't attend church, because we want to hear from the community. And so I would suggest that you give it to someone that doesn't attend church at all versus someone that attends the church down the street, because then it'll just become like, I want my church to do this. That church down the street does that. We don't want that. We want God to give us something unique for us. And we want God to connect us with people that don't know him yet. And so when we do that, God will begin to move in that. So we're going to give you some business cards, some invite cards uh, that, that have a, a website on it that allows you to uh, go for that. So um, we will have only God vision. And I pr- I, I'm so excited for this, and I'm praying that God will continue to do that. Um, and we're going to have updates for you and, and continue to, to track through that together. So not only will we have only God stories because we're expectant, we'll have only God vision because we're dreamers, but we're also going to have only God growth. Only God growth. If we're going to have the best year of our life, this is what we've been talking about for the last number of years, uh, the last number of weeks. If we're going to have the best year of our life, we need to grow. And when I've been talking to you over the last number of weeks, when I've been talking to you the last number of weeks, a lot of you will hear something in a sermon and you'll think, oh, I got to fix it. So like this year, you've been listening to the last number of weeks, and you're like, all right, I'm going to fix my finances, my health, my growth in the Lord, and I'm going to forgive everybody that I know. And I'm like, good luck, man. You're going to, like, you're going to show up. Yeah, you're going to be slotting into home base, and you're going to be a wreck for most of the year. You're, not going to, you're going to be stressed out beyond belief. But what is one thing that you can do? We often, 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 often underestimate what we can do in five years and overestimate what we can do in one year. We want to change everything this year, but we don't have long-term plans for the five years. We underestimate what we can do in five years. We overestimate what we can do in one year. And so I always give these, I don't always, the last few times I've been given these five Gs that can help us just kind of pick one of them. But for you, it could be grace. You need to give yourself permission to be forgiven by God. A lot of us, we actually just struggle with that. Like, could we honestly be forgiven by the creator of the universe? Can we actually have a relationship with him? Could we actually get baptized? See, many of you, uh, next, next week we're going to have our, our, uh, our, we do baptisms twice a year. Next week we're going to do baptisms together. And we're, we, have, we have about 12 people signed up right now. That's awesome. Yeah. But for us as a, yeah. We are... We celebrate baptisms because that is the, the major way that, that the New Testament talks about people declaring their, their discipleship in Jesus. And so we love to celebrate those things, but there's many of you in here that don't feel worthy enough to get baptized. We hear that from you sometimes. Well, I don't feel worthy, or I don't, I don't feel ready. And you know what? Baptism isn't that. 
Baptism isn't this, this moment where, where the clouds open up and, and, and everything begins to change in your life. No, no, no. Baptism is a step of obedience. Because you began to follow Christ, you get baptized so that you can publicly declare your discipleship in Christ. That's a, that's a step in discipleship. That's not a step in spirituality. It's not like God's going to cast favor on you differently because you got baptized. But it's a statement that says, God, you are Lord of my entire life. And so this morning, I would recommend, if you haven't been baptized as an adult and been able to make the decision to follow Jesus, I would, I'd pray that you would sign up. I'd pray that you would do that. To declare publicly that Jesus is Lord over your life. It's a step in obedience that I believe will literally change the way that we see uh, many different things. And so there's grace. There's gatherings. Perhaps it's just, you know what, I, I attend church once a month right now. Maybe I need to go twice a month. Maybe I need to go three times. Maybe I need to come every week so that I can have a series of, uh, so I can have an hour a, a week where nothing that I do is, is, is based off me, but it's based off Christ. Maybe it's groups. Maybe for you, you've been attending gatherings for a long time. You say, it's time to get in the community. It's time to engage with the church. It's time to engage, engage with the care of our church. I need to get to a group in some way. Perhaps it's serving for you. You say, look, I'm just, I'm looking for a way so that I can participate in this thing. I want to engage. I want to participate. I want to do what's next. Give it, uh, using your gifts to serve is something that we want to see people do. And, but maybe for you, it's giving. You say, you know what? I, I kind of serve. I kind of do all that thing. But Jesus just isn't Lord over my money yet. And, and I, I, want, I, need to, I need to make that happen. Maybe that's a way that you can do that, but, but there's really only God growth because only God can provide the joy of what it's like to follow Christ. And so my encouragement to you today is, can we be a church that only God can get the credit for? And if we can be a church that only God gets the credit for, we're going to have joy that's sourced only by him. We're going to have community based off the grace of God, not the judgment of God. And we're going to have direction that's going to last for years and years and years. And I'm praying, just like David does in Psalm 32, he says, Let's us, let us rejoice in him. I'm praying that God does that in our church and gives us the best year of our life. Amen? Amen.